we trust him. When the sickness doesn't get healed, will you trust him? When the relationship doesn't get restored, would you trust him? There's a verse in from the words of meditation that says, you will not be forgotten by me. It's a promise that God made to Israel. And it's a promise that he also makes to you. That no matter what you're going through, no matter what you may lose, you will not be forgotten by him. But do you believe it? Not just here in your minds, but do you believe it in your heart? Do you believe it in that thing that you're dealing with right now? That you are not forgotten. So as we go into our prayer of supplication, pray with that verse in mind. That you're not forgotten. And your prayers are not wasted prayers. He hears them. So pray with confidence, with your head held high, that I'm praying to Yahweh Elohim. And he hears the prayers of his people. So the floor of the congregation now, if you feel led by the Spirit of God, offer up to your Father prayers and supplications. And I'll close our time in a moment.
The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we will feel no evil. For you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they will comfort us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. In, in her book, uh, The Path to Human Flourishing, I Ching Thomas writes, as we examine what the gospel is truly about, we see it is about human flourishing. The good news is that God has sent his own son to restore shalom that has been disrupted by sin. While it's easy for us to assume that shalom equals peace and harmony, biblical shalom encompasses much more than that. Shalom has, as expressed in scripture, incorporates not just peace, but universal flourishing and wholeness and delight. The way things ought to be. It is a rich state of affairs where there is contentment, where humanity fulfills its vocation, where humanity is in perfect fellowship with its creator and savior. The Sermon on the Mount is about such flourishing for humanity. Flourishing according to the way of Jesus Christ. His way is expressed in the Beatitudes and in Matthew 5 verses 3 through 12. It's expressed in his desire for his people to be salt and light in verses 13 through 16. Jesus' way of flourishing is, is expressed in him fulfilling the law and the prophets in verses 17 and 18. It's expressed in his people approaching God's word as a rule of life and, and as wholeheartedness towards him in verses 19 and 20. His way of flourishing is also expressed in this phrase, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. Jesus' way, Jesus' way of flourishing is also expressed in the way of wholeness. The way of wholeness. And that's what uh, I'm going to talk about today. Because Jesus wants his people to be whole, just like God is whole. So that means that if you have saving faith in Jesus today, he wants you to be whole. And if you don't have saving faith in him, then he wants you to know him so that you can be made whole. Do you want to be whole? Do you know what that means? Please open your Bible to Matthew 5, verse 48. Matthew 5, verse 48. This one verse is a summary of verses 21 through 47. It is Jesus' concluding promise and, and exhortation to his disciples. Now, now, why, why, why deal with this summary verse right now? There's two reasons why I want to deal with that verse. First, I want to begin with the end in mind. And second, I want to clearly communicate what this verse doesn't mean and what it actually means. Look with me in Matthew 5, verse 48. Jesus says, you, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Please pray with and for me. 
Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of God's word, we need you. Definitely with a, a, a verse like this, we need you to give us clear understanding of what is actually being communicated. And so we call upon you, Spirit. You are our counselor. You are our helper. You are the one who leads us into all truth. And we pray that you would do that today. Not just our minds, but also our hearts. All of who we are, that you will lead it into God's truth. And that you would minister to us in the places where we truly live. So, Holy Spirit, thank you. I praise you. It is in Christ's name. Amen. How do you feel when, a, when you tell a friend, a family member, a teammate, a, a co-worker something, only to later find out that person completely misunderstood what you said or never heard you at all? That person may be guilty of hearing what they want to hear. And that's real. People do hear what they want to hear. I came across a quote this week. It says, don't waste your time with explanations. People only hear what they want to hear. What did you hear when I read verse 48? You, therefore, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What did you hear Jesus saying, saints? What story are you telling yourself? about Jesus' words right now. Jesus is pulling before us an unattainable goal. Jesus is setting his people up for failure. I can't believe Jesus of all people is calling me to do something he knows I can't do. That's not fair, Jesus. Perfectionism? Really? Thanks a lot. I guess that yoke and burden of yours isn't light after all. If that's you, how do you feel? Confused? Hopeless? Angry? Deceived? Remember, people hear what they want to hear. What do you hear? Jesus, you're speaking my language. I don't know about everybody else, but I'm game for this challenge of being perfect. I love to follow rules. I got this. I can do this. This perfect thing, no problem. Thank you, Jesus. For telling me that I can be perfect like God. I knew God always helps those who help themselves. Is that you? How do you feel? Excited? Joyful? Self-righteous? Remember, people hear what they want to hear. What are you hearing Jesus say in verse 48? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lately, I've been quoting a lot from um, Brene Brown, and my quoting of her and other authors isn't an endorsement of everything they have written and said. So please know that. That is true for Christians and non-Christians that I quote. I quote other people because I find value in their writing and research and speeches, even if the person is not necessarily coming from a Christian perspective. So that's my disclaimer. Keep that in mind whenever I use a quote. It's not a full endorsement. And keep that in mind as I give you another quote from Bernie Brown. (laughs) So in her book, The Gift of Imperfection, she, she writes, Perfectionism is the belief that if we do things perfectly and look perfect, we can minimize and avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. Perfectionism at its core is about trying to earn approval. Most perfectionists grew up being praised for achievement and performance, like grades, 
good manners, following the rules, people pleasing, and appearances, and doing well at sports. And somewhere along the way, they have adopted this dangerous and debilitating belief system. I am what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. Think about that. I am what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. Please perform perfect. Perfectionism is self-destructive because there's no such thing as a person per- perfect person. Perfectionism is an unattainable goal. And yet many of you hear perfectionism in Jesus' words. And some of you are even holding up to and holding on to a perfectionist belief system. A belief system that says, I am what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. I am what I produce and how well I produce it. I am what I perform and how well I perform it. Perfectionism shows up in all areas of life. In your walk with Christ. In your quiet times. And how many Bible verses you memorize. And how many Bible studies you go to. In your marriage. In your friendships. In your career. In your job. In school. In making good grades. Some of you kids are afraid to fail in a, a grade. That's not healthy. In your singleness, in your parenting, in your finances, in the way you do family, in the way you do church, in the way your body looks. Got to be perfect. Got to be perfect. Perfectionism is a harsh yoke that you put around your own neck. Jesus doesn't do it to you. You do it to yourself. He isn't calling y'all to, to the unattainable. He's not setting you up for failure. He's not putting you on a self-destructive path. Jesus doesn't want you to hear what you want to hear. He wants you to hear clearly what this verse means. And everyone who has ears, let him and her hear. Let them hear. In Matthew 5, verse 48, Jesus is talking about the way of wholeness. The way of wholeness. And the way of wholeness is not perfectionism. You see, the English gloss perfect isn't the best translation of the Greek verb teleos. The English gloss that's used here, that word, that word does mean moral perfection and sinlessness. It implies flawless obedience without any issues and struggles. You see, we're reading our Western understanding of perfect into Jesus's words here. That's why you're hearing what you want to hear. That's why you hear what you want to hear. And when you hear what you want to hear, there's misinterpretation follows, like moralism, legalism, self-righteousness, perfectionism. And this misunderstanding can feed the Pharisee in you. Or it can beat you down to the point of hopelessness where you live by the motto, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be good enough. Listen, saints, Jesus wants his people to be whole people, not perfect people. And there's a difference. Do you want to be whole? You need to come to Jesus. You need to come to Jesus. The Greek term teleos doesn't have the same meaning as the English gloss perfect. It is not moral perfectionism. It is not sinlessness. The term is similar to two Hebrew terms, shalim and tamim. Both of those terms mean undivided, complete, 
whole, single-minded, oneness. The Septuagint, many of you may know this, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. And in the Septuagint, teleos is translated shalim and tamim. And that is true in Genesis 6, 9, where it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless, teleos or tamim, among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. In 1 Kings 8, 61, may your hearts be fully committed, teleos, shalim, to your God. This means in Matthew 5, verse 48, Jesus is talking about wholeness, completeness, single-mindedness. Therefore, be wholehearted as your heavenly Father is wholehearted. That's what that means. Be teleos, be tamim, be shalim. Do you see it? Do you believe it? Be undivided in your loyalty as your heavenly Father is undivided in his. Be whole. As God is whole. The Lord delivered Israel out of slavery from Egypt through Moses. And he freed them from oppression and promised to bless them with a land of their own. It was a promised land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a good land. A land with brooks and rivers and springs and lakes. Even creeks flowing out of the hills and through the valleys. It was a promised land. A land of wheat and barley of, of vines and figs and olive oil. And, and the, a land where the Israelites would never grow hungry. No more manna. Real meat. A land where they could get iron out of rocks. Mine copper from the hills. It was a promised land. It was a good land. So basically the Israelites were like the Jeffersons. You know, they're moving up to the east side. In a deluxe apartment in the sky. And they're going to get their piece of the pie. And as they prepared to get their piece of the pie, the Lord God gave them certain boundaries. Guardrails for their benefit and his glory. He cautioned them against adopting certain practices from their pagan neighbors. Listen to what Moses says to them in Deuteronomy 8 verses 9 through 12. He says, when you come into the promised land, the land your Lord your God is going to give you, you shall not learn to follow the wretched practices of the nations. Don't you dare sacrifice your sons and daughters in fire. Don't you practice sorcery and fortune telling, ritual and casting spells and holding seances and challenging the dead. People who do these things are abomination to the Lord. It is because of such things that the Lord God is driving these nations out before you. And then in verse 13, listen to what Moses says. He says, be teleos, be tamim, be wholehearted with the Lord your God. Do you see it, saints? The Lord isn't wanting them to be perfect. He wants their complete loyalty to him, undivided in their, in their worship, single-mindedness, not double-mindedness, not one foot in the covenant community and one foot in the nation's. He didn't want them to be sometime in him when they got into the promised land. He wanted them to be fully present with him, to be all in with their heart, mind, and soul. And the same is for us. Be wholehearted with the Lord your God in your life. As you live in America, be undivided in your loyalty to Jesus. 
That's an amen statement, saints. Be Tamim, be Shalim, be Telios. In the message Bible, Hebrew, Matthew 5, verse 48 says, in a word, what I'm saying is this, grow up. Your kingdom people, now live it. Live out your God-created identity. You see, the way of wholeness is not perfectionism. The way of wholeness is a call. C-A-L-L. And call is an acronym, and it stands for complete allegiance. Complete allegiance. Complete, undivided allegiance to the Lord God, to Jesus, to his kingdom, to his convictions, to his ethics. And what does that look like functionally? First, the way of holiness, the way of holiness is complete allegiance to a personal relationship with the Lord God through Jesus Christ in faith. Look at verse 48. It says, therefore, you must be wholehearted as your heavenly father is wholehearted. Do you think it's by accident that Jesus refers to God as father for the second time in Matthew 5? The second time. Please know when Jesus is making God known in the New Testament, he's making him known as father for a reason. That's intentional. God is father. And that's important. He calls him heavenly father. He reveals God as both transcendent and imminent. Those terms mean God is above us and he's close to us. He's separate from us and yet he's present with us. He's both and. The God who is holy, divine, eternal, and infinite is also personal, relational, and can be known. Heavenly Father, transcendent and imminent. And Jesus is revealing the type of relationship believers have with this God. It's a father-child relationship. A covenantal relationship that requires complete allegiance from God and from his people. Do you think God is sometiming with you? That he's on again, on again? That he's an absent dad? No. He is fully present with you. Fully committed to you. Fully faithful to you. Son or daughter. He's not an absent dad. He's not an abusive father. He loves his kids. He provides for them. He disciplines them. And his commitment and loyalty and allegiance to them is 100%. What does Isaiah say? I will never forget you. That's either true or a lie. Psalm 56, 9 says, this I know, God is for me. Do you know that? Do you know that? How many of you are familiar with the phrase, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Yeah. Many of you are living that out now. It means kids usually have have similar qualities and character as their parents. It means kids are usually like their parents. And and, and when it comes to us as Christians, that is also true in our relationship with God. shouldn't fall far from the tree. It means we don't only get the privilege of being his sons and daughters, we get the privilege of reflecting him in a broken world. No other people group can reflect Yahweh Elohim but his sons and daughters. And just because something may use Christian values, does it mean they're Christian? It does mean they're creating the image of God. But we are not just creating his image, we are his sons and daughters. That's a double blessing. Peter says, but you are a chosen people, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Is that how you see yourself? A chosen people? There's nothing arrogant about that. That is just who you are. That's who you are. And when you're whole and walking in wholeness, you walk that out. You live that out. That's what it means. Royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Have you ever thought about yourself as a church, as, as a group of believers, that you're God's special possession? Is that how you see yourself? Is that how you live and how you function? Those things are true. And you have to believe that and live in that and walk in that. Now, you can't be a child of God. You can't reflect him apart from saving faith in Jesus. There is a process to this, as Nick Saban would say. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, so sinful people can be made right with God, with a holy God. And if you're not made right with him, if you don't know him in faith, I'm not talking about things that you do. I'm not talking about going to church and going to Sunday school and, and being a nice neighbor. I'm talking about do you know Jesus in faith? Not knowing things about him, not knowing catechism, not knowing the stories. Do you trust him? That's what I'm talking about. Do you rest on him? Do you depend on him? Is he your savior and is he your Lord? That is the way you can be made right with him. In 2 Peter it says, the Lord is slow. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This extending out to you. Reaching out to you. All you got to do is take hold of him. There's no other name given under heaven by which people may be saved. That is Jesus. So acknowledge your sin to him. Repent of it. Confess him as Lord and Savior. And when you do that, when that happens, you will be saved. You will be a child. And you will get the privilege of, of reflecting him in every area of your life. You will be on the path to wholeness. To wholeness. The way of wholeness is complete allegiance to your covenantal relationship with Yahweh Elohim. It's a covenantal relationship. That's the type of relationship God has with his people. It's undivided allegiance to him with your heart, with your desires. He wants your heart. Because if he has your heart, he'll have your lifestyle. But the Pharisees focus so much on external obedience but they, they didn't even think about the heart of it jesus wants the heart saint augustine says our hearts are restless until they find rest in jesus and some of you are restless because you are not resting in your savior and your lord you're trying to find love and happiness in all the wrong places and they ain't jesus and it never will be, Jesus. Be wholehearted, saints, as your Heavenly Father 
is wholehearted. Pledge allegiance to him. It's not to him and country. It's him only. Okay? It's him only. In his 1957 book, An Atheist Manifesto, Joseph Lewis writes, Man's inhumanity to, to, to man will continue as long as he loves God more than he loves his fellow man. The love of God is wasted love. For God and country means divided allegiance. He's right on the divided allegiance part and absolutely wrong on his view of God's love and love for fellow man. Because the Bible, if this man ever read the Bible, he would know that we are called as Christians to love God and to love neighbor as ourselves. And that leads to the second way in which we can have wholeness. And that is complete allegiance to the covenant community, to a local covenant community of believers. Look at verse 48. It says, you therefore be wholeheartedly, wholehearted as your heavenly father is wholehearted. That pronoun you are plural, not singular. So it should we, y'all, <laughs> therefore be wholehearted as your father is wholehearted. Y'all be wholehearted. Jesus is not an individual. He's not preaching individualism. And individualism is a core value of, of American culture. But that is not Christianity. Christianity is communal. We are meant to be in covenant with one another, in relationship with one another. And, I, and it's not me, myself, and I. I don't care what Beyonce says. <laughs> the way of wholeness means there's complete allegiance to a local body of Christ, to a local community. And it's not some timing in that community. It's not being part-time in that community. It's not one foot in, one foot out. If you are not in community with other believers, then you're not walking in wholeness. You're not. See, Christians in America, covenant community is optional for us because we're not a suffering church. But once suffering comes, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. The suffering church, the persecuted church, the communion of saints, they, they love that. That's value in it because it's life and death for them. For us, uh, it's optional. It's optional. Please understand, allegiance to God leads to allegiance to his people also. Can't love God and not love your brother and sister in Christ. Cannot. Cannot. Doesn't work that way. If you love Jesus, you're going to love the people he died for as well. Even the ones that gets on your nerves. Come on. Don't, don't come here and pretend. Y'all get on each other's nerves. Come on. Just don't come in here and be holier than thou. You know it's true. Just own it. What, is, what does this mean for the village church? What does it mean for us? It means if we're going to be here, be here. Allegiance to our local community means we place value on being in genuine cross-cultural relationships with each other. We ain't ever going to be a white church or a black church or an Asian church or a Hispanic church. We're going to be a diverse church. And it's going to be uncomfortable if you choose to do life here. So if you're looking for comfort, this ain't the place for you. If you don't want to talk about race, this ain't the place for you. It ain't the place. If you don't want to talk about sensitive, hard things, this is not the place for you. Because we can't, we're not have the luxury to build a community like this and we don't talk about things that are hard and difficult. Because otherwise, we're faking it. It's what I call cafeteria unity. 
you know, we all diverse in the cafeteria, but we ain't together. We're just in the same space. Just because you're in the same space don't mean we won. Doesn't mean we won. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, the brother is a burden to the Christian precisely because he's a Christian. For the pagan, the other person never becomes a burden at all. He simply sidesteps every burden the other may impose upon him. Complete allegiance to a local community of believers means you don't sidestep one another. You don't sidestep each other's brokenness. You don't sidestep each other's issues. You are there with one another because Jesus is with you. If Jesus, if you can stand up and say, Jesus has sidestepped me in my life, stand up and testify to it. Has Jesus ever sidestepped you? Give someone stand up and tell me. I'll sit now. You can come up here and you can tell us how Jesus is sidestepping you. He never sidesteps you. He receives you and enjoys you. And because of what he, the way he loves you, you should be able to love me and I should be able to love you. We are a community at the Village Church. We are a community where broken people come together and walk alongside one another in Jesus Christ. Everybody here is broken. I don't care what zip code you live in, in Huntsville, in Madison County. We all got issues. I don't care what your economic status is. You got issues. I don't care what education level you have. You got issues. We all have issues. And if you forget that, that's a what? That's the issue. So none of us are better than anybody else. We need one another. We should be committed to one another. And this thing, and complete, and allegiance to the covenant community is that you are, you are saying, I value being in relationship with other Christians. With other Christians. It ain't just you, Jesus, and your family. It's you and Jesus and the covenant family. That's what, that's what God wants us to be in. But when we get to heaven, there's going to be a whole bunch of us. A whole bunch of us. And we get the privilege of enjoying one another now. Why wait till we get to heaven when we can do it now? You need me, I need you. But do we believe that? Do we believe it? The way of wholeness is complete allegiance to a covenant relationship with Jesus and it's allegiance to relationship with other Christians. And notice, I hadn't even given you a list of things to do. It's all about love. It's love. Christianity is love for God and love for neighbor. That's the sermon of all the law and prophets. It's love. Let us pray, saints. Jesus, I thank you that in you that we are being